No, but dude, it's really cool because they've really gone out of their way to showcase this stuff and there's no bullshit. This is the advantage that Apple has over Amazon and over Spotify. Spotify's relationship with record companies has been, well, spotty. <laughs> I'm going to use a pun, right? Right. But Apple has always had a pretty good relationship with record companies. Some artists, you know, their, their issues with Taylor Swift were, were fair. Her, fair, her complaints were completely valid. I really think that there's definitely a problem with, with, with payout for, for, for artists and their, um, and, and their work through streaming and, and, uh, and digital sales. I think it's, it's a much better place than it used to be. And the great thing about this, it brings life. How many people are, I mean, look, dude, we're in our fifties. We, we, we hear the difference, but when you come to certain complacency, when you're in the, like for again, you're in the car, you're used to hearing music a certain way because of the limitations that we have, or just for the, again, for the convenience of having it streaming or a compact version. So it fits on your damn phone. But I had downloaded a bunch of music on, on Tuesday when it, um, when it launched, or sorry, Monday when it launched and dude, it is like having a CD player in the car again. I know it sounds funny, but to relish in that idea, but music is all about feeling and experience. And when you have that return or brings new life into something, even something that came out last year, it's, it's like, I know you're not a, a big fan of The Weeknd, but I know that his album so well that when I heard the spatial audio version of it, I'm like, fuck it. It's totally a new experience. And that, and I think that's great because someone's going to, somebody's going to find music that they enjoy that's been treated this way. And that's, that's great. I mean, what was that joke in, in Men in Black when, when they're going through the, the, the lab and he finds a tiny, the tiny little quarter sized disc and he goes, oh yeah, that's the new, that's the replace of the CD. And he goes, I have to buy the white album again. Right. <laughs> it's not just a newer version of something. It is a new experience. It's not just a cleaner version of it. It's just different. And it sounds far more immersive. And if you listen to it on, on a surround sound like I have, or if you listen on on certain types of headphones, the, the newer Beats headphones and the newer Apple headphones do this, where you you feel the staging. You feel as if you're at a show and, and the music envelops you in a certain way. I know I sound like a... I'm, I'm on sound like a pitch man for Apple. I know, but I, I'm not a pitch man for Apple. I'm a pitch man for, for this, for sound and, and just experiential changes like this are huge. It's huge. So. Yeah. It's funny. I still have a cassette. I still have a CD player in my car. So it's it, yeah. I, 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 actually it's a four disc changer. Thank God. <laughs> Well, that's what's funny. On my old F-150, I had an in-dash six-disc changer. I love that thing. And quite honestly, I don't know how you went from having a six-disc changer in your car to nothing. Um, from what I understand, though, because they have, have all those USB inputs, you know, the little portable super drive that Apple sells, the USB one, apparently that you can plug that right in and it'll work. Now, last thing I need is more clutter in my car of having a- Yeah, dude. I, yeah. <laughs> it, once, once I, you know, the next time I get a car, I know there'll be no- compact player. There's no way I'm doing any of that plug-in bullshit anymore. Like yeah. I remember when he had a cassette player and before their CD and then you could, you could get the plug-in CD player, yeah. and you put it, but it had a tethered cassette. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And that shit sliding around the seat and all that bullshit. My first car was, uh, well, if I was like new car was an 88 Toyota pickup. And when I bought, I went like everybody else did, went third party with my radio 
And I specifically bought Techniques. Techniques, the turntable company, made a great in-dash player that I didn't have to use that cassette adapter. I It actually had an auxiliary input on the front. So I went out of uh, my little portable CD player right into the front of that. But like you talked about the CD sliding around, one of the other things you had to do, especially if you're in a pickup truck like mine, you had to create a little bed, <laughs> a little bed for the portable CD player to sit on just to avoid skipping because that, you know, that, that anti-skipping technology did not exist or if it, if it did, it wasn't very good yet. <laughs> nope. It no, certainly was not. <laughs> We are five minutes into our conversation and this is kickstart for June 14th. Right. <laughs> 14th. 14th. Good Lord, it's only the second Monday too. Guess what you just heard too. You just heard the new intro because the new intro is done. You put, but you've heard, but you've heard that already. So right. there you go. This is the thing I've been talking about for months. You're going to hear that and go, what the fuck? We waited six months for that. Yes, you did. Cause well, well, the beautiful thing is maybe they forgot in six months because you know nobody remembers <laughs> shit from ten minutes ago, much less six months. That's fair. As I was, I was saying, Apple announced a couple a little while ago and went live with it last week that their Apple Music service, the paid service, now has lossless audio, which is basically CD quality, feel out a little bit better. Or if you have the capability, spatial audio is available, which is Dolby Atmos. And if you know the name sounds familiar, Dolby Atmos is of course the surround, um, uh, the things that you're hearing in the movie theater now. And I talked about it recently when I saw Scott Pilgrim reissued in the Dolby Cinema, which is Dolby Atmos visual and uh, auto. And, but dude, it's, man, it's nice to have that kind of attention to detail on the music again. And it, remember, remember back when vinyl was still big before, even as CDs were coming out, you could walk into a licorice pizza, here we go, <laughs> or a Tower Records and find one of those, 180 gram vinyls ripped from a master where it cost twice as much for that piece of vinyl. And if you had the proper needle, it sounded tremendously better because it wasn't mass produced. There was only, it was, I think it was like a, I'm like for every hundred. Yeah, they were limited presses. Yeah, yeah. It was like for every, like I'd say, like every thousand, you know, standard release pieces of vinyl and you got one of these. Right. And they were they weren't easy to find either. No, dude, they were like finding they were like treasure hunts, like you like finding an Easter egg. Yeah, I had one for Michael Jackson's Thriller, and I don't know why I ever sold it or what happened to it. I think I lent it to somebody like a dumb fuck, and there you go, it's gone. I think I'm sure it's worth thousands of dollars now because I'm an idiot. Right, sitting in somebody's collection, all scratched up, water damaged, motherfuckers. Oh, somebody would have ruined it. Yeah. I was. I hope you guys are enjoying um, our our good number twos. You got to listen to Scary Movie Two this last week, and we had a great time talking about that. Oh man, dude! And tell us, you know, on Twitter or for wherever, are we surprising you? I, I gotta think our I gotta think our clues are so cryptic because the movies we're picking aren't very necessarily big movies as far as like movies are expecting from us. I mean, maybe Wrath of Khan. But definitely Scary Movie 2 was not on somebody's radar, even if we... As a, as a good number two. Yes. I'm sure. So we just got done recording for, for this upcoming episode, and that one was really fun. And again, this one out of... Oh, yeah, that was a good... Uh, right. This one out of all of them, though, would you agree? This is probably the one you're least expecting from us. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if anybody, if anyone guesses, if anyone guesses it before it drops on Thursday uh, and, you know, can prove it, I, I, I seriously, I will give them a Fast and Furious eight pack of Blu-rays. <laughs> oh, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of that, 
Um, in honor of the release of Fast 9, we are going to be giving away two sets of Blu-rays of Fast and the Furious Saga, everything through part eight. So we have two of those. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be limited to the North American. I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, it includes Fast 8. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, it does include Fast 8. The, the giveaway is limited to just Canada and, and the United States, unfortunately, just because of uh, how expensive it would be to, to ship everywhere. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to have fun with the whole thing. Uh, the irony is that I have no desire to see Fast 9. I really don't. But I should say that this does not include Hobbs and Shaw, which is probably the best of the last three movies, including Fast 9. I can pretty much guarantee you it's better. There's something about taking away the ensemble aspect of it and having a fun little buddy thing with with Statham and, and Dwayne Johnson. I think it worked really well together. Joey and I saw it in the theater and loved the shit out of it. But I think it's I think this is going to be a fun one. Anyway, we're going to have details for you guys soon on how you can be involved in that. And it's going to be required following us and, and, you know, sharing us and all that stuff. Because, you know. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. We want everybody. We want, we want more people to enjoy the show. Right. That, that already enjoy it now and share the wealth. And, you know, I got to say, based on what I've been seeing, Shannon Sprout has been like, sharing the message big time. My, the growth in New Jersey and, and Pennsylvania has grown exponentially <laughs> the last two months. Would you say, would you say Shannon Sprout is shouting it out? <laughs> You're already in. You, Just saying. <laughs> All right. I don't, I mean it, I mean it in a positive way. Yes, I got to say, so this, 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 this is already kind of an unusual episode. I'm already throwing people off by having music at the beginning, right? <laughs> because it's just weird. Oh, by the way, dude, one of the, one of the other things that's on that spatial audio that like got me super excited is the All Things Must Pass album from George Harrison. Yeah. Then that entire thing is done in spatial audio and it sounds amazing. That's a, that dude, I mean, I still have my, uh, I, I ended up buying the, uh, I have, I still have the original LP, which I've had since I was a kid, but I also picked up the, uh, right when, right around Harrison's passing coincided kind of, I think with the 30th anniversary of all things must pass. And they put out this box CD set, oddly enough, but I did pick that and I, I spin it in my car all the time and it, it sounds amazing. And it's, there's not a bad track on that record. I mean, to me, it's the, uh, it's the best solo record by a member of the Beatles. I'm not going to argue that. I mean, I, and I'm not shitting on everybody else's stuff. I'm just saying like that thing is. Well, let's be honest here though. You can't include John Lennon because most of his stuff is with Yoko and you can't, and Paul's best stuff is the wings. Well, yeah, I, there are some good Paul McCartney solo records though. There's some, but, uh, there yeah. are some good ones. And, and John, there's, you know, there's a couple good, really good John, uh, you know, imagines good and that's not a Yoko record, but yeah, I'm, but just, I'm just saying as a work, as a, as a work, like, you know, if coming out of the Beatles breakup, who would have thought that Harrison would fucking crush it like that, you know, with his first, he'd been hiding behind that guitar <laughs> all those years. Right. When you listen to the, you know, you just listen to the solo records from the Beatles and stuff. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's fair, fair to say that most of the stuff that they did that stood out were, were things where they were involved with other people. Like I, I, I still think the best McCartney stuff is with wings. I think I still think as much as I love George Harrison, I, the traveling Wilburys, man, I didn't get it when I was younger, but I get it now. 
you know, I, I, oh, I yeah. I mean, I was into all that when it came out. I mean, I, I, I was into Orbison and all that shit. I mean, I, but I, I still think his best record is all things must pass by far. Like oh. I, I like the Wilbury stuff. It's great. And, it, but it's not, uh, it's not better than that. It's not better than that. It's no, not. no, no, no. And again, my love for talking about George Harrison being a standout in a, in a big band like that, I look at I look at Grohl and what he's done with Foo is kind of like in a similar fashion. Like I am still, even though I have a new appreciation for Nirvana, I really dig what they did. Now I didn't before, but I, and I, but but it's because of Foo Fighters that's made me revisit Nirvana and go, all right, I I can't. I'm, it's been so long since they hit that I don't feel that whatever it was that was pushing me away from it or not getting the music. And I'm like, I know it was a generational thing to a certain degree, but musically uh, I've found that the post Beatles work, George is, George is just, he's the standout to me. He's, you know, the growl from Nirvana in that situation. You know, I, I just think he stands out hiding behind that guitar. You're not George. You're saying you're trying to say Grohl is the George Harrison of Nirvana, not 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 that George is the Grohl of the Beatles. <laughs> Fuck it's, off. It's all the same thing as what I'm saying. I'm saying these stand out in the same way that their work to me. I means know. More. I'm just fucking with you. I know. I I really I, as much as I love the Beatles and stuff, I really think that because they were always working with each other, even though hey, most of the most of the music was credited as McCartney Lennon. You know. Or sorry, Lennon McCartney. Let's be let's be honest about it. Was listed. Well, no, it was actually McCartney and Lennon because McCartney was the musical director of the right, band. I think, so well, let's, let's get I, that straight. Too. I thought it Come was on. always, don't, but I, don't shit on don't shit on the maca. But I thought it would. But you, I've always heard people say Lennon McCartney because of the alphabetical thing. I always assume that was the reason why. Yeah, that, was, I'm, uh, that's why. Yeah. It, it, of course, it is. Yeah, and it also rolls better off the tongue <laughs> than McCartney <laughs> Lennon. <laughs> McCartney <laughs> Lennon sounds like a Russian dictator, <laughs> isn't it? Is it? it? Might as well be, right? <laughs> um, back in the USSR, see, full circle. See. Um, yeah, no, but I'm with you. Uh, dude, I, like, it's funny because I saw Nirvana really, I mean, I'd heard him, uh, I'd, I'd heard the Bleach record just because I was in college then, but um, I saw them really before I got, you know, I saw them open up for, they were on a, it was the, it was, it was uh, Pearl Jam opened up and then Nirvana and then the Red Hot Chili Peppers and New Year's Eve show. And uh, so I, I had seen Nirvana live before I really delved into the records. And I, so I kind of got it like, again, talking about seeing bands live, you know, and then you're like, holy shit. And then you kind of just go out and look for what they're doing. So I, I actually got, I saw them live before I got into, you know, it was, this was a couple of months probably before Nevermind broke or maybe it was, you know, it hadn't become the worldwide juggernaut of a record that it was yet at that point. But uh, seeing them live and then that fucking Comet ride to 1994 was, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. Uh, I became, I don't say friendly, but film director, music video director, Dave Markey, who did a movie, a documentary called The Year Punk Broke. I've mentioned it before. This is, it's called, it's officially it's called 1991. 1991. The year punk broke and he was on tour with Sonic Youth and it was that kind of they were like the focal point of it. But part of the, 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 uh, the, the tour was Dinosaur Jr., Babes in Toyland, Gumball and the Ramones, like on and off. And it's got a, guys from Mud Honey in it. And, but here's the thing, Nirvana's in it. Now, picture Nirvana 91. We're talking about that bleach era, right? Yeah, dude. And what's funny is like, 
while they were doing this, Nirvana broke out <laughs> while this, because this movie got released and actually in theatrical, limited theatrical, it's a documentary uh, in uh, the, in Christmas Eve in 1992. So, and that, that's just wild to think about. You're seeing the earliest footage of, of Kurt Cobain, but it was, it's, it's really interesting that this movie focuses on all these bands that we've talked about, not talked about directly, but I've talked about that have always under the surface that people have definitely like dinosaur junior. I know people have heard of them, but a lot of people haven't heard. Yeah. Them. Dude, Jay Maskus, baby. Yeah. Babes in Toyland is another, is another group. It's that's totally sound like a, like a metal band. It's not, <laughs> it's not. No, not at all. Babes in Toyland. Uh, Gumball. Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. Gumball. Yeah, Gumball Gum- too. Yeah. Again, Don Fleming and Gumball. Mm-hmm. You have so many really amazing things in there, but again, we're talking about, God, there's two weeks in a row. We're all about heavy music, but that's okay. This is a, we're talking about a movie now too. Right. There's so many aspects to that doc that are just mind blowing to see these guys at the beginning of their careers and everything. But look, think about that. So let's tie that into movies. How much, how much Sonic youth have you heard in a movie before or dinosaur junior? Oh, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you have to, you have to search it out. You kind of have to, you know, I feel like there's at least one, isn't there a dinosaur junior song in the, Empire Records? Probably. <laughs> I think we talked think about that. I think there is one. I think there is one. But yeah, look, dude, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, if any of those bands were hitting maybe a year or two after this, instead of the year punk broke in 91, maybe the year punk broke in 93, 94, a little bit later. Well, uh, you know. I was going to say maybe the only other band that was kind of a breakout band where you heard a lot of their stuff go a little more mainstream in that same time frame was, was Lemonheads. Yeah. Right? Cause you do get, you know, there's several Lemonhead songs that you hear on movie soundtracks and stuff. Not that saying Lemonheads were ever as big as Nirvana. Cause I don't think anybody, you know, in that short of a period of time had the kind of rocket ride that Nirvana did. I mean, maybe Pearl Jam, but I feel like Pearl Jam's Pearl Jam blew up even more after Kurt, you know, passed away. Right, right. Um, Although they were already, you know, I mean, again, 91, 92, like I, dude, I didn't know who Pearl, Pearl Jam, I didn't know shit about them when I saw them, uh, with the Chili Peppers and Nirvana. They were just like, you know, they were the opening act, <laughs> right? And, you know, so, but that's around the same time frame. but yeah, man, it's, it's funny. Like all those other, like dude, Babes in Twilight, I saw, I saw them like several times. They just were on bills. Like you'd go somewhere like club lingerie somewhere. And then, you know, right. babes in Toyland just would be there <laughs> like, Oh, Hey, they're here again. Right. And they're, they're a band that, you know, to me, they're like the perfect band. Like if you were, if you were to make a movie and set it in 1992 and you're in your, in your, it was whatever you have got your, your, your protagonist walks into a club, babes in Toyland would be the band that would be on in the background yeah. on stage performing always Viper room mentioned lemon heads and they they broke out with the cover of Mrs. Robinson is, you know, to tie in with the video release of the graduate. Of course, and it eventually was used in Wolf of wall street, you know, a lot of yeah. years later. And of course it's at the very end of Wayne's world too. Yeah. That kind of broke them out. And then, and then of course the, that album, uh, it's a shame about Ray had the, you know, the single from that, the title track from that ended up, right. You know, breaking out. And of course, Senior Dando was like everywhere, like everywhere. Yeah, dude. He was, you know, <laughs> girls loved, people adored him. You know, Letterman, yeah. he was on Letterman. They, they had Lemonheads were on Letterman a few times. And there was, always, there's some really funny, uh, there's some, some really funny moments between Dave and Evan Dando uh, as Dave's introduced him. I mean, you know, it, it was a really fun time for music that, you know, kind of 
it's funny because it's an underappreciated time. I feel like people talk about the grunge area, grunge era, but they don't really ever talk about, you know, they don't realize how short the actual grunge era was. And, and, you know, the name grunge also sort of gives the impression that nobody, they weren't having fun and, you know, and it was, it was all grim, but if you go back and you look at some of the live performances, some of these bands and yeah. stuff, uh, it, it, there's, there's some fun moments. So, you know, right. it's funny, man, uh, that, that, uh, is, is how it's remembered for being like solemn and, you know, it, it, when all of it's not, you know, they're, 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 a lot of those bands have really good sense of humor. If you, if you're really exploring the lyrics and, right. you know. Yeah, the only time when you when you look at you know the lyrics from from Kurt and I I heard a recent interview I think it was Grohl when he was on um on, when he was on Conan O'Brien needs a friend he, even he says you know when I was dabbling around music and stuff I'd record something I we we recorded it out we could be recording never mind and I go home and work on some music and I come in the next day and then I get yeah you know, all ready to play I, I want you guys to hear this you know none, nothing a band like least wants to hear from the drummer going hey guys I got something I want to play for you and he made a crack about it. I'm like going he's like none of my stuff was like you know Kurt would play something I'm like all right well I'll just go ahead and put this over here and not, and not talk about it but look at the band lyrically they were fucking heavy I mean there was some heavy conversation I mean you know it smells like Teen Spirit is was their song that broke them out and everybody knows it, but do you know what it's about? I mean, those lyrics, man, they're fucking heavy as shit. Uh, I would also say it's my least favorite song on the record. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, and it also doesn't, it also uh, suffers from the fact that it's, we, we, you know, it because it was fucking constantly played. Dude, it's been on like, you know, it's been on washing machine commercials since then. Uh, yes, I, exactly. But and when I say it's my least favorite song, I just mean like the rest of the album, I mean, that whole album is so great that it's like, you know, yeah. you know, something has to be your least favorite record on it. And for me, it's that one, but not because it's not a great song. You know, Butch Vig, who, who produced that record, you know, I'm a massive fan of his. I've talked about him on the show before because I'm a massive garbage fan. They just dropped a new record and it's. Oh yeah. I haven't, I haven't had a chance I, to spin it yet. Oh my God. I love this band so much. I think I can't wait to see Shirley outperforming again because she is such a fucking amazing front performer. This album is so good. I, I had to like, when I was working from home last night, man, I really had to just, I just cranked it. I was just, my shift went by so fast because I was just rocking out the whole time. It's such a great record. And sometimes it usually takes you a while to kind of get, even a band you're super familiar with, like Garbage, I and mean, this is like their ninth album, I think. And you get used to a certain thing and you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just trying to wade my way through the new music. I was like into it. Granted, the three or four of the songs were already out, but they did something that the I wasn't anticipating them doing. There's actually a, a second disc to it all, which covers all of the, uh, the, the, the single work and collaborations they've done in between the last two, this record and the previous record, which I thought was rad. And one of them, of course, is a cover of Because the Night from Bruce Springsteen slash Patty Smith slash 10,000 maniacs slash slash so fucking good dude I'm so happy that this record is really great and I can't wait they're on tour with Atlantis later in this year but based on what I'm seeing we might get some solo shows in LA because they're scheduled because they they end the tour at those bowl shows and these are makeup shows from last year because of COVID they were supposed to be an anniversary tour for when they opened for Atlantis back in well 20 years ago at that point so I'm super excited by it because it's 
spanning and and threading off of the band. A lot of the bands we were just talking about, these guys, you know, garbage came from the the residual effect of grunge. And like you talk about how short of a window it was, garbage hit in ninety five. Yep. Right. Grunge is over. The grunge is over. I mean, it, was, it came and went that fast, you know. Um, but the bands hung around. I mean, obviously. Alice in Chains and. And Pearl Jam. And let's be fair. Pearl Jam gets included in that only because of from their, it's a location. from Seattle. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's it. They are, they are straight ahead album rock. That's what they are. I love the shit out of them. Yeah, totally. Always will be one of my favorite bands. Their longevity. Fuck me, dude. Right. The other thing I, I would say, I wouldn't, I would maybe toss out, I would, I wouldn't toss um, Soundgarden in with no. the grunge either. Uh, no. Soundgarden is another album, AOR band. To me, they're, they're, they're albums, literally, they're, dude, I spin Bad Motorfinger all the time. Um, yeah. You know, what I, the other thing, and then I'll, I'll stop talking music. I, I hadn't listened to this and I pulled out my CD out of my garage. And I forgot how great that first Audio Slave record is, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> Talking about sonic fucking, you know, music that needs to be heard, uncompressed, unrele- un- un- unleashed. Yes. Uh, that record, man. And, uh, you know, Cornell's vocals on it. Again, another guy we lost too soon. But yeah, that, that by the time, you know, by the time we got to 95, grunge was over. And, you know, the bands that moved on, I think Alice in Chains probably stayed closest to their, but you know, it's weird. Again, is Alice in Chains really a grunge band at that point? I mean, I feel, I feel like those bands kind of evolved out of it and, you know, and then other bands, you know, just went down in history, like grunge truck. When you put the word grunge right <laughs> in your band's name, it's probably not a good thing. It's like calling yourself uh heavy metal <laughs> or hair nation. <laughs> You totally don't want to do that. Yeah, that's kind of a bad idea. Speaking of audio slave, there that I'm already I just added it to my my Apple Music because it is one of the 75 million songs. Their whole first audio slave album with Cochise on that leads it all off. Oh yeah, like a stone exploder. I mean that album is so fucking great. When when that whole thing happened with you know when Rage decided they they didn't want Zach Delroca and they weren't getting along anymore and whatever the reason was behind it. I'm not getting into the politics of it. Cornell did, did joins the band. And I think you're thinking, is that a good, is that a good mix? But man, when the first time you heard coach, he used to just like, just go, Oh fuck. Yeah, dude. Dude, that whole record, man, <laughs> like from the first fucking note, I was like, Holy shit. This yeah. is good. You know, cause I, I hadn't listened to it in 15 years. I swear to God. I mean, and, and I popped it in the other day when I drove, when I came by your house after I went to the doctor Yeah, and I, you know, I was listening to it then and it's just like, Holy shit, this is a fucking good record. It's still, you know, I, I you know, there's, there's four CDs in my CD player now in my yeah. car that are on, you know, constant rotation. And I, all the, all of them are from the nineties. Yeah. It's funny, man. Uh, it, again, I think at some point people are going to come back around and be like, yeah, man, the nineties wasn't the wasteland for rock and roll that, you know, people have painted it out to be. It wasn't boring. It wasn't predictable. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And there's a lot of really good music in the nineties, right. which kind of gets shit on, you know, it's like the movies from the nineties people, you know, I mean, there was a point where movies in the nineties suck, but now people are starting to kind of, you know, right. realize that, Hey, they didn't suck. And they're actually, there's a shit ton of really great movies from the nineties and music. Yeah. That's something that happened 10 years ago with eighties music. Remember eighties music was always so, uh, 
lambasted. How much music are you hearing now, right now, that sounds exactly, and they're intentionally mimicking it. Yeah. And I'm oh, fine. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. It's okay. I'm yeah. not complaining about it. We talked about that in a couple of the '90s movies that we've covered that people like uh, that were negative on, and that's the purpose of the show when we do our movie episodes. Is it better remember to remember better? And I'm finding that the more we cover those '90s movies, the more we're realizing, like, you know what? <laughs> it's not too bad, man. It's not too bad, right? With a couple exceptions, yeah. You know, there, you know, but for the most part, on the '90s movies we've covered, I've, I've really enjoyed our revisits to those. Yeah. Uh, speaking of movies, I'm gonna just jump here real quick. Uh, did I ever mention that? Streets of Fire is now on Netflix what? in June. You've never yeah. known. Oh, yeah, no, never. I did. Have I not? Well, look, just I'm going to do this. I was exploring what else is new on Netflix in June. Mm. And I've come up with a few movies that I think deserve a revisit. I've revisited one of these so far, but I'm going to throw out just a couple of these things that are now streaming, which maybe weren't streaming and maybe people weren't aware of. But uh, I, last night, I rewatched Crimson Peak, uh, which I wasn't hot on in the movie theater. You told me I that you, were, it, you didn't like it. Thought it was. I thought it was. You know, again, here's the thing: Tom Hiddleston. I totally forgot he was in the movie because he's forgettable. But so when I'm watching it again, it's very much like we had talked about earlier uh, about the the film we recorded for the episode. Watching it again and kind of having that sort of like amnesia from the film, watching it, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, it's scary. It's funny. It's super gothic. It's, 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 it's a feast for the eyes yeah. and it's really a lot of fun. Jessica Chastain, who I adore is, this might be my favorite Jessica Chastain role only because it's so unlike everything else she's done. Yeah. Uh, she's totally off the rails, but in, in all the right ways. Uh, and so that is now streaming on Netflix and it looks great. I mean, I saw it at, you know, I saw it in uh, Burbank at the uh, big theater there, uh, the AMC mm-hmm. uh, on the big screen when it came out on the, in, in their fake IMAX. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, it looked beautiful then, but I just kind of was like, man, you know, I don't know why I just didn't connect with the movie. I, you know, it, it, it seemed like it had all the boxes ticked for me, but man, I gotta say it's on Netflix now. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's a lot of fun. If you want to revisit it, if you're like me and thought, yeah, it was okay. It's a lot, it's better than okay for me now. Now I, I was like, <laughs> wow, man, I kind of slept on that movie, but uh, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. So that would be my first one. The, the other two uh, that I'm going to get to here, I haven't revisited them yet, but just the mere fact that they are available. The first one is going to be Paranorman, <laughs> which dude, fucking Paranorman rocks, dude. I can't tell you how many times that people look at me funny. Like, wait, is that the cartoon? I'm like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I, I, I'm just saying Paranorman, dude, which I saw, you know, cause it, it, again, it was a, sc- a screener thing. that came one of the year it came out. Right. So I, I watched it for, you know, consideration and such, and I really enjoyed it, but I hadn't thought about it or seen it since, but it is, on Netflix now as of June 1st um, and watching the trailer for it, I was like, Oh yeah, I got to revisit this. So Paranorman uh, is this is the second thing I'm going to say I'm going to be revisiting because it is now available. There's a Netflix original, which I'm going to check out. It's called Enola Holmes, uh, which I know a lot of people have probably already seen. And it, I figured since we just watched young Sherlock Holmes and we talked about the irregulars and everything else. And after watching the trailer, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give that a spin. Uh, so that is on Netflix. And then my other throwback revisit is going to be hook because I want to say, I don't really remember hook. 
I want to say I may have never even seen Hook, uh, only Ooh. because the age I was when it came out, it didn't interest me. Fair enough. I'm going to say, I think it came out right around the same time as Bram Stoker's Dracula, Coppola's Dracula, which is another movie that uh, I remember at the time not really liking and not revisited since uh, because I just remember thinking it wasn't very good. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to revisit Hook uh, because of the, I watched the trailer of Hook and I, and I have to say the scale and scope of it, whatever the print is, they're, they're running on Netflix. It, it really looks, it looks rich. The colors look great. So I just kind of want to, you know, throw it back to that. And, you know, I'd been needing a dose of Robin Williams and this is something I pretty sure I never had seen with Robin and uh, I'm going to give that a spin. So that is also uh, streaming on Netflix as of June 1st. So, you know, those, there's some things to check out, man. If you got Netflix and you're, you know, like, what am I going to watch? If you're like me and you spend 40 minutes going through the, uh, you know, and then, then you realize yeah, now it's too late. I don't want to watch anything. I'm going to go back to the game show network. So there's a, there's a couple titles to check out. I'm going to go ahead and add, make it a double bill for Paranorman because also still on Netflix and it seems to be perpetually on Netflix Monster House right which is genuinely a scary movie I mean I can't see a, a five six seven year old child watching Monster House and not have the shit scared out of him because pretty great I'm gonna add I'm gonna go ahead and put my my stamp of approval on Hook I love the shit out of it dude Bob Hoskins as Smee is just that's what I'm saying dude I love yeah. everybody in it I mean how have I not seen it yep Anyway, <laughs> that's it, man. I mean, we're that's all I got. I know we had a, an interesting start because we really didn't intro the show like we normally do. It's a weird, it's a weird day. It's a weird day. Let's just say that. Anyways, if you want to follow us on Twitter, the show is on Twitter at Karate Pod. You can follow Corey on Letterboxd. It's Corey underscore Culp. Or if you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Tom Cody on Letterbox. That's Tom Cody on Letterbox. And no, I am not in a bathroom. Mm-hmm.